Hello, this is Dr. Peng Xianqian, the Editor-in-Chief of Harvism. The first article in January 2023 issue is titled Clinical Benefits of Concomitant Surgical Ablation for Atrial Fibrillation in Patients Undergoing Mitral Valve Surgery. The study was done using the National Health Claims Database of South Korea. Among 9,501 subjects, the MACE procedure was performed in 5,508 uh, 5, or 58%. The risk of the composite event was significantly lower in the MACE group with hazard ratio of 0.799 as compared with the non-MACE group. In subgroup analysis of the composite events, these benefits were consistent among different groups. The authors conclude that the addition of the maze procedure during mitral valve surgery provided protective effects in the composite outcome of interest. The next article is Gaps After Linear Ablation of Persistent Atrial Fibrillation, Marshall Plan, Clinical Implication. The authors followed 291 consecutive patients who underwent 1. vein or Marshall ethanol infusion, 2. PV isolation, and 3. mitral cavo tricuspid and dome isthmus transection. 12 months sinus rhythm maintenance was 70% after one procedure and 94% after one or two procedures. Event-free survival after the first procedure was lower in the case of residual gaps within the lesion set. Between the first leg and the second leg, a significant decrease was found in roof lines considered blocked during the first procedure and in delayed dome gaps observed during a second procedure. The authors conclude that the gaps are arrhythmogenic and can be reduced by optimized ablation and assessment of lines of block. Closing these gaps improves sinus rhythm maintenance. Up next is outcomes in patients with electrocardiographic left ventricular dyssynchrony following transcaster aortic valve replacement. A total of 362 patients were analyzed with mean age of 77 years. LV dyssynchrony group, 91 patients of 25.1%. Included 56 permanent LBBB patients, 12 permanent LBBB patients with pacemaker, and 23 non-LBBB patients with pacemaker and high burden RV pacing. After adjusted analysis, LV desynchrony had significantly higher all-cause mortality and cardiomyopathy. The authors conclude that among TAVR patients was preserved. LV ejection fraction and normal AV conduction, the development of post-procedural LV desynchrony secondary to high burden RV pacing or permanent LBBB was associated with a significantly higher risk of death and cardiomyopathy at one year follow-up. That paper is followed by one titled Impact of Bundle Branch Block Morphology on outcomes of patients with syncope and bifascicular block, a spritly post-3 sub-study. There were 41 patients with left bundle branch block, or 36%, 69 patients with right bundle branch block, and left anterior fascicular block, or 60%, and 
Five patients with RBBB and left posterior fascicular block of 4%. Pacemaker implant compared with ILR was associated with a significant reduction of major study-related events in both patients with LBBB and those with RBBB. The authors conclude that in patients with syncope and bifascular block, pacemaker implantation induced reduces adverse events as compared to ILR monitoring, irrespective of the type of bundle branch block or the presence of PR interval prolongation. The next paper is differences in mode of death between men and women receiving implantable cardioverter defibrillators or cardiac resynchronization therapy in the MADID trials. A total of 295 men and 66 women died, which accounts for 9.7% versus 6.6% with a p-value of 0.003 during 26 months. The most common cause of death was non-arrhythmic cardiac death in men, which is 121 patients or 41%, and non-cardiac death in women, which includes 22 women and 33%. All cause of mortality and cardiac deaths were 1.5 to 2-fold higher in men versus women, with ischemic cardiomyopathy, but similar for those with non-ischemic cardiomyopathy after adjustment for covariates. ICD efficacy was similar in men and women, resulting in a 50% reduction in all-cause mortality. CRTD was more effective at reducing all-cause and cardiac deaths in women than men. The authors conclude that the mode of death differs between sex and is dependent on the underlying cardiac substrate. Compared to women, cardiac death is higher in men with ischemic cardiomyopathy, but similar in those with non-ischemic cardiomyopathy. ICDs are equally effective at reducing mortality in both men and women. However, CRTD may be more effective in, at reducing mortality in women. Up next is ambulatory AV synchronous pacing over time using a leadless ventricular pacemaker. Primary results from the XLAV study. The purpose of this study was to determine the performance of a leadless ventricular pacemaker with accelerometer-based algorithms that provide AV synchronous pacing. A total of 152 patients from 20 centers were enrolled and implanted with leadless pacemaker. Among patients with normal sinus function and complete AV block, which uh, there's uh, 54 patients, mean resting AV synchrony was 85.4% at one month and ambulatory AV synchrony was 74.8%. Quality of life as measured by EQ5D3L improved significantly from pre-implant to three months. The authors conclude that accelerometer-based mechanical and sensing provided by a leadless pacemaker implanted in the right ventricle significantly improves the quality of life in a select cohort of patients with AV block and normal sinus function. AV synchrony remains stable through three months, and there were no system upgrades to dual-chamber pacemakers. The following article is left bundle area pacing guiding implant depths by ring measurements. 
A total of 73 patients were studied. Ring impedance increased stepwise during successful attempts as opposed to unsuccessful attempts. A wider lead septal angle at the implant position correlated with higher ring impedance, whereas no association was found with tip impedance. Unipolar ring threshold correlated with depth of lead implant. Tip impedance measurements at implant position were less predictive of lead depth and did not correlate with septal thickness. The authors conclude that the ring pacing parameters are more predictive of lead progress than tip measurements. The lead depth and lead septal angle can be determined from ring impedance measurements. These measurements may provide a determination of lead depth and could obviate the need for contrast injection. The next one is causes of sudden cardiac death according to age and sex among persons aged 1 to 49 years. The study population consisted of all persons in Denmark aged 1 to 35 years in 2000 to 2009 and 36 to 49 years in 2007 to 2009, which equals 27.1 million person years. In the 10-year study period, there were 14,294 deaths, of which 1,362 or 10% were classified as sudden cardiac deaths. Potentially inherited cardiac diseases accounted for a high proportion, that is 43 to 78%, of autopsy to sudden cardiac deaths in all age groups. A significant proportion of 19 to 54% of sudden cardiac deaths was caused by sudden arrhythmic death syndrome in all age groups. The authors conclude that the proportion of sudden cardiac death cases that were identified with a potentially inherited cardiac disease post-mortem was high in all study age groups. The diagnosis of inherited heart disease are likely missed in some sudden cardiac death cases, along with the opportunity for treatment and prevention in surviving relatives. The next article is Improving Guideline-Based Anticoagulation and Atrial Fibrillation as Systematic Literature Review of Prospective Trials. After a review of 1474 studies, 20 trials were included in this systematic literature review. 45% were effective in decreasing the AF anticoagulation gap. Interventions focused on patient education, provider education, and electronic risk assessment or decision support, increased absolute appropriate anticoagulation prescribing by 8.3%, 4.9%, and 2% respectively. The authors conclude that interventions aimed at improving anticoagulation prescribing patterns in AF can be effective, although there is heterogeneity in outcomes across intervention types. The most effective interventions appear to target patient education, provider education, and electronic risk assessment or decision support. Up next is increased vulnerability to atrial and ventricular arrhythmias caused by different types of inherited tobacco or marijuana products. Rats were exposed to smoke from tobacco, marijuana, or cannabinoid-depleted marijuana, or to clean air for eight weeks. 
The results show that rats exposed to tobacco or marijuana products exhibited progressively increased systolic blood pressure, decreased cardiac systolic function, and chamber dilation, and reduced overall heart rate variability relative to the clean air negative control group. Atrial fibrillation and ventricular tachycardia testing revealed a significantly higher susceptibility to each. Histological analysis indicated that exposure to smoke or aerosol from tobacco or marijuana products caused severe fibrosis with decreased microvessel density and a higher level of sympathetic nerve innervation. These puzzle physiological results indicate that tobacco and marijuana products can induce arrhythmogenic substrates involved in cardiac electrical, structural, and neural remodeling, facilitating the development of arrhythmias. The next one is disrupted CAE 1.2 selectivity causes overlapping long QT and Brugada syndrome phenotypes in CACNA1C E1115K IPS cell model. The authors generate iPSCs from a patient carrying heterozygous CACNA1C-E11115K with overlapping phenotypes of long QT syndrome, Brugada syndrome, and mild cardiac dysfunction. Patch Cramps analysis revealed that these cardiomyocytes exhibited reduced peak calcium current density and impaired calcium selectivity with increased permeability to monovalent cations. Consequently, these myocytes showed a decreased action potential plateau amplitude, longer action potential duration, and a higher frequency of early after depolarization compared with controls. Late sodium channel current inhibitors shortened APD specifically in these cardiomyocytes. The authors conclude that these IPSC-based analysis in CACNA1C-E1115K with disrupted uh, CAV1.2 selectivity demonstrated that the aberrant currents through the mutant channels carried by monovalent cations resulted in specific action potential changes, which increased endogenous late sodium current, thereby synergistically controlling, contributing to the arsenogenic phenotype. These original articles are followed by three contemporary reviews. The first one is Neuromodulation Therapy for Atrial Fibrillation. The authors reviewed the innovative therapies targeting the neurocardiac axis, including castor ablation or pharmacologic suppression of ganglionic plexi, renal sympathetic denervation, low-level vagal nerve stimulation, and stellar ganglion blockade. A second contemporary review is characterization of ventricular arrhythmias as sudden cardiac death in subjects with mitral valve prolapse and mitral annular disjunction. In this review, the authors summarized the relevant literature regarding the epidemiology, diagnosis, pathophysiology, and the management of mitral valve prolapse and mitral annular disjunction and elucidated their role in sudden cardiac death. A third review article is titled Three-Dimensional Functional Anatomy of Human Sinoatrial Node for Epicardial and Endocardial Mapping and Ablation. 
The aim of this review is to provide a state-of-art overview of the 3D structure and function of human SAN complex, mechanisms of SAN arrhythmias, and available approaches for electrophysiological mapping, 3D structural imaging, pharmacologic interventions and ablation to improve diagnosis and, me uh, and mechanistic treatment of uh, SAN and atrial arrhythmias. These reviews are followed by a creative concept paper titled Outcomes of a Painst Score Guided Multidisciplinary Management Approach for Patients with Ventricular Tachycardia Storm and Advanced Heart Failure, a pilot study. The authors have developed and implemented a multidisciplinary management pathway for patients with advanced heart failure and VT electrical storm with high painest score greater than 17, which involves collaboration between cardioelectrophysiologists, advanced heart failure specialists, and cardiothoracic surgeons, and evaluate this approach in the context of a pilot study. The journal also published four research letters. The first one is adverse events associated with the bridge occlusion balloon for lead extraction, a multi-database study. The authors found that significant adverse events have been reported related to the use of bridge occlusion balloon, including inability to advance over the wire, compromised balloon integrity, and the thrombosis. The second letter is time to positivity of diagnostic provocative pharmacological testing in Brugada syndrome. The authors conclude that time to positivity of the diagnostic pharmacological challenge in Brugada patients is a new and easily obtainable clinical parameter which predicts, in case of a short-time positivity, subsequent spontaneous type 1 ECG documentation. A third one is using a smartwatch for detection of loss or left ventricular capture in patients with cardiac resynchronization therapy. The authors found that loss of LV capture can be detected with a high sensitivity and specificity by obtaining two single-lead ECGs using a smartwatch. The fourth article is dose-dependent cardiac effects of collateral cardiac irradiation, echocardiographic string analysis in patients treated with extracardiac malignancies. The authors found that the fractionated collateral cardiac irradiation correlates with early functional myocardial changes detected by echocardiography. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. For Heart Rhythm, I'm the Editor-in-Chief, Dr. Pen Shen Chen.